blow it that they're going to do something to displease the Lord. And as a result, you know what happens? They live accordingly, constantly in fear. Now, if that were the end of it, there really wouldn't be any problem because we know that people are at varying planes of spiritual maturity. But many times, there are those who realize and enjoy uh, their liberty in Jesus, and those folks are judged by those who think, you know what, they're living a little bit too loosely. Right? While those who are really strict about their biblical standards, uh, they're often criticized by others who have adopted perhaps a little bit of a looser standard. So, uh, on one end of the spectrum, you have this liberal compromiser, if you will, and on the other end of the spectrum, you have this legalistic hard nose, right? Uh, different spectrums. Today, Paul says that we need to strike a balance. What are y'all laughing at? <laughs> we need to strike a balance, amen, between the two. You see, some things in our lives are crystal clear. Would you agree with that? Crystal clear. Uh, the Bible is plain that Christians should not drink. Can I get a testimony? Amen. That believers ought not use drugs. That believers ought not curse, commit adultery, kill, steal, lie. Why? Because all those things have the potential to harm us. And God doesn't want you doing anything that might ultimately bring you harm. That's how much he loves you. These are not debatable things. These are things which people do, which people practice, that makes them sinners. And we ought to do everything in our power to not be sinless, but certainly to sin less. Amen? That's not my opinion. That is the clear counsel of God's word. So if you've got a problem with what I just said, take it up with him. Amen? However, there are other areas of our lives that are maybe not so clear. For instance, how long should a man's hair be? Some of us don't have that problem, do we, brother? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I, I just intercepted you. Amen? Should men wear beards? Or mustaches? Sorry, Lord. Yeah, Lord looks good with his, man. I got to admit that. Should women wear pants? <laughs> Absolutely. With all the trash that's on TV, should Christians watch TV? We do. But sometimes I blush watching TV. Would you agree, Miss Janet? I mean, it's amazing the, the trash that sometimes we inadvertently watch on television. 
with all the different ratings on movies these days, should Christians even watch movies? If it's PG-13, that supposedly means that there's junk in that movie that somebody 13 years old can't handle or shouldn't be watching. Well, if a 13-year-old Christian shouldn't be watching it, guess what? A 55-year-old Christian shouldn't be watching it, should they, Janet? You're not quite 55 yet, are you, sweetheart? Amen. But your husband is. So, some areas of our lives are not quite so clear. But it might surprise you to know that some people struggle with those borderline issues every day of their life. You know, am I getting contaminated by the world? Am I slipping into sin by doing these things? Well, today, Paul tells us how to handle these unsure areas of our life. And at least, at the very least, he helps us to know how to deal with that brother or sister in Christ who has a different opinion than me. Amen? So notice these instructions about judging believers in Romans chapter 14, page 1009, Romans 14, beginning in verse 1, listen to what the apostle says. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above the other. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and he gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. We are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died. And rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we should all, say all. all. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself, to God. Instructions about judging believers. The first thing that we must be aware of is that we must avoid foolish judgment. In, a, in avoiding foolish judgment, we have to realize that we are commanded to recognize our Christian brother or our Christian sister. Look in verse 2. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who weeks eats only vegetables. You see, in the early church, there were those who were saved 
from idol worship. They were saved from that, and they wanted absolutely nothing to do with that old lifestyle. Can you see the benefit of that? Not wanting anything to do with the old person, the old lifestyle. So that was a good thing. But there were also Christians who understood clearly that they were free to eat meat. Even if that meat had been sacrificed to idols. What they said was, as, hey, meat's meat. It's just meat, right? So we're to realize that the Bible is focusing here on the weaker Christian. That person who is easily offended by the practices of another believer. There are people all around us who see things differently than you do. Can I get an amen on that? People around us that see things differently. We're not the only dog on the porch. However, what other people think about the way we live does matter. Did you catch that? What other people think about the way we live does matter. Not everyone will agree with your standards. Not everyone will agree with my standards of living. But listen to very carefully. That's okay. That's okay. We're commanded to recognize our Christian brother. But we're also cautioned to receive our Christian brother. Look in verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, not to disputes over doubtful things. You see, some people would just shake their head, smirk, shake their heads to those believers that are weak in the faith. Why would they do that? Because many times that weaker believer has got a lot of issues. Amen? They're not mature. They're weak still. They don't understand the scripture in its entirety. And so they do some scripture plucking, and they pick out one verse, and they live by that verse. And so then they develop their standards accordingly. But what we're trying to learn here is, is that despite their hang-ups, we're still cautioned to receive them as a Christian brother. You see, the problem with the weaker brother is this. They have never come to grips with the liberty that we are given in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're so afraid of getting dirty, so afraid of slipping into sin, that they place standards on their life that are far more restrictive than the Bible places on their lives. And so, as a result, he comes to believe that everybody ought to live by those same standards, his standards. But here's what Paul says about that weaker brother. He says, listen, y'all. He was from Anderson. Listen, y'all. Don't turn your back on that brother. Don't turn your back on him. But neither do you permit his uh, self-imposed lofty, lofty standards to dominate your life. In other words, recognize your Christian brother. Be sure to receive your Christian brother. But his self-imposed standards should not be allowed to cause division or disunity in the church. Okay? So we're commanded to recognize our Christian brother, cautioned to receive our Christian brother, but we're also challenged to respect our Christian brother. You see, what will happen is, is if we're not careful, 
We'll allow differences in the way we think to drive a wedge between us. Well, listen, y'all, we're family. We're the body of Christ, right? We're the family of God, and we cannot allow anything to drive a wedge in between us. If, if I think you shouldn't do something, and you do it anyway, I've got to be big enough in the Lord to overlook that thing for the sake of unity. Am I making a mountain out of a molehill? Is the sun still going to come up tomorrow if I permit that behavior to continue? You see, some things are worth dying for. The inerrancy of God's word is worth dying for. The love of God in the church family is worth dying for. The doctrine that we learn from the scriptures is worth dying for. Living a life of holiness is worth dying for. Even if it makes other people mad as a hornet. Amen? But some things, some things are nothing more than personal opinion. We have to be careful and cautious to be able to differentiate between the two. We're to respect our brother's principles. Look in verse 3. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Paul is saying, You're not, you might not agree with everything I say. I can say that to you this morning. You may not agree with everything I say, but just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that I'm going to look down on you or despise you. Just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that I'm going to comment on my perception of your spiritual health. I'm not going to judge you. You see, I may not agree with you, but I'm still going to respect you. You may not agree with me, but you'll still respect me as a Christian brother. But we're also to respect our brother's position. Look in verse 4. Who are you? Boy, this one strikes hard. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he'll be able to be made stand to stand, for God is able to make him stand. The whole idea of this verse is this. Y'all ready? Ain't none of you God. Your preacher ain't God. Amen. I didn't save you. You don't keep me saved. He doesn't uh, answer to me. You don't answer to me. And you're not accountable to me. And neither am I accountable to you. God is God. So let us be sure to avoid foolish or unbiblical judgment of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But not only to avoid foolish judgment, but also to aspire, aspire to faithful judgment. In doing that, we are to faithfully judge, first of all, in the manner, the matter of convictions. Look in verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. 
Let me help you out with that. Back in the day, in the early days of the church, some people would say, this is the day that you're supposed to worship. Others would say, no, 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 no. You're supposed to worship on this day. Here's what Paul says. Whatever day you choose to worship, don't violate your conscience. Whatever day. So what we're to do is, is to listen to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to lead us in everything we do. Everything in our Christian life is not spelled out in detail. Would you agree with that? Even Scripture doesn't address every little single thing in our lives. So when you're making a decision and a decision is not spelled out clearly in the Scriptures, what you must do is you must listen to that voice inside. You must listen to the Spirit of God pricking your conscience so that you'll know the right thing to do. If the thought of doing something bothers me in the slightest, I would be sinning if I did it. Y'all hear that? If it bothers you in the slightest, hey man, don't do it. Now, on the other hand, if I can do it and honestly say, I am doing this unto the Lord. Honestly, I am doing this unto the Lord. Then listen, y'all, I'm good. And so are you. But you must never violate your personal convictions. All right? So we're to faithfully judge in the matter of convictions, but we're also to faithfully judge in the matter of commitment. Look in verse 6. For he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. So what you have to ask yourself is this question. Who am I committed to? Am I committed to what men and women think about me? Or am I committed to what God Almighty thinks about me? This reinforces what I just said. In every single decision that I face, I need to ask myself a few questions. Good questions. Listen to these. Is this something I can do to honor God? That's a good question. If I were to do this, would it dishonor God in any way? Good question. Ask this question. Can I do this with an, with an absolutely clear conscience? It's a good question. Does it contain even the slightest microscopic hint of evil or wrong? That's a good question. Because if it does, you ought not be doing it. Can I really say that what I'm about to do is going to glorify God? Do you know that's why you were created? Was to glorify God? And so if you're doing something outside the spectrum of glorifying God, then you're not fulfilling your purpose for the Lord. These are legitimate questions. Questions we ought to ask to determine whether you allow something in your life or disallow something in your life. 
Who are you committed to? Society and culture or God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? We're to faithfully judge in this matter of commitment. But we're also to faithfully judge in this matter of consequences. Whether you're a weak Christian or a strong Christian, there are going to be consequences to the choices you make in your life. There are always consequences. Paul mentions two places. Two places where you can expect consequences in your life. First of all, there are consequences in the earthly realm where we live now. Look there in verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. You see, not one single one of us is an island unto himself or herself. People are always watching you. You'd be surprised at how much I watch you. <laughs> the point is, is that we're watching one another, and then everybody outside the church is watching us as individuals and as a whole. People are always, always watching you. And listen, as they watch you, they're going to be either helped in their walk with God or they're going to be hindered in their walk with God. And you're the one that makes that choice. Are you helping them? Or are you hindering them? Now, there are things that would be perfectly biblical for me to do as a Christian. But if I did them, it may result in a younger, more immature, or weaker believer to stumble. And even though it's perfectly biblical for me to do, I ain't doing it if it's going to cause somebody else to stumble. Listen to what Jesus had to say about that. Get ready, guard your toes, because here it comes. Mine are already bleeding, so y'all are all right. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, right? It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. You cause somebody to stumble, you might as well just go ahead and kill yourself, amen? <laughs> Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, in other words, because you know better, shall the weak brother perish? For whom Christ died? When you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, 
you sin against Christ. Y'all, this ain't me. This is, this is the scriptures. Therefore, and I love this, this affirmation that Paul writes. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat ever, lest I make a brother stumble. He ain't done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 22, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not everything builds up, not everything edifies. Therefore, let no one seek his own, but let each one the other's well-being. I'm getting this idea that this Christian life we're living ain't about me. It's about others, isn't it? What is in view here is living a life of love. Living a life of love for people, the people Jesus died for. The Christian who walks in the love of God toward his fellow brothers will put other people's needs ahead of their own. He said so much when he wrote to other churches just like us. He wrote this to the believers in Philippi. He said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. My, my, my. There are consequences in the earthly realm. But there are also consequences in the eternal realm. Look in verse 8 back to Romans 14. Paul said, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're to the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. You see, while we should be, we should be very concerned about one another's spiritual walk. While we should be very concerned about one another's well-being. There's another concern that far outweighs that one. Above all else, our lives are to be pleasing to the Lord. We are not our own. We were purchased with a price. And therefore, we have no rights as to how we are to live this life. Whether you grasp it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of our lives. And so in the final analysis of it all, he is the only one that I have to please. And if I please him, everything else will take care of itself. Everyone else in my relationships will take care of themselves as long as I'm pleasing to God. So when it comes to judging our brothers and sisters in Christ, let us avoid foolish judgment. 
And let us aspire to faithful judgment. But finally today, let us anticipate future judgment. Because future judgment is first of all restricted here. You think you might be being judged by the consequences of your life? You may think, man, I am reaping what I've sown. Man, I'm going through all manner of hardship. But, but future judgment is very restricted here. Listen to what Paul says in verse 10. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? Here's what he's saying here. There is not a single person in this room who has the right to play God. There's not a single person in this room who has the right to pass judgment on another brother or sister in Christ. Not one. You don't know what they're going through, do you? You don't know the challenges that are besetting their lives, do you? We have no right to play God or pass judgment. Now, if a brother is, li is living in open sin, an open rebellion to God, if he is violating biblical standards, listen very carefully, you have an obligation. You have an obligation to talk to him and speak to him in love that he might change his ways. See, we are our brother's keeper, aren't we? We have an obligation to talk with them. And then you have an obligation to pray for them. Then you have an obligation to trust the Spirit of God to do a remarkable work and speak to their hearts. You have an obligation to do that. However, if it's one of those inconsequential things that you think you need to talk to him about you might want to be careful because if the power of God is on their life maybe just maybe you're more concerned with that thing than God is so make sure you look in the mirror first amen Because you'll likely find out that you probably need to keep your self-righteous judgment to yourself. But not only are future judgment restricted here, the future judgment is rendered there. Let's finish up at the end of verse 10. For we shall all, you said all, stand before the judgment seat of Christ... For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. You see, one day that brother who is one of those liberal compromisers that you think he is, living a little too loose, one day he's going to stand before Christ. And he's going to give an account of his life to the Lord that saved him. When those accounts are settled, that man will either be blessed or he will suffer the loss of rewards. Not something that's very often preached about. Let me share it with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 very quickly. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another one builds on it. But let him take heed on how he builds on it. 
For no other foundation can anyone lay than that one which is laid, Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold or silver, precious stones or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, that day of judgment I'm talking about, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work as to what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, we're talking about after Christ now, okay? After you've come to Christ, however you build on that foundation of Jesus, if, anyone, if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. That's good news, isn't it? Anybody like rewards? Raise your hand if you like rewards. We all like rewards. However, if anyone's work is burned, that is, if it's worthless, he will suffer loss. Who likes to suffer loss? Nobody likes to suffer loss. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So on that day, we're going to get exactly what's coming our way. If you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about being saved or unsaved. You don't have to worry about heaven or hell. That's already been determined by your faith in Christ Jesus. You'll get what's coming to you, though, uh, no more and no less. But just as that liberal compromiser will stand before the Lord, guess what? So will every single one of us. And you may find out that everything was not just exactly the way you thought it was. And so may the Lord help us to learn, to learn to avoid judging our brothers and sisters. And maybe, you know what, let me just focus on the way I'm living. Let me focus on the way I'm living, the right kind of life that I need to live before the Lord. So with this truth in our minds, it's good to remember the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as much in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here we go, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You know what? If I'm going to judge a life... Let it be my own. I got enough junk here to worry about judging your junk there. Amen? If, I'm, if I can help you, if I can comfort you, if I can direct you, I'm going to. But I got enough judge, junk to judge in my own life. So if I'm going to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want to do it by setting myself up as judge and jury. Instead, I want to love you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to live my life in front of you in a way that brings honor and glory to God. That will do more. More for them. More for you than trying to judge you for what you have done or not done. That way I'm a blessing and not a hindrance. Have you been guilty of imposing your standards on other believers? Have you been guilty of setting up your own little circus court 
and rendering judgment on everybody else's life but your own? I think if you're honest, you'd say, well, yeah, I have done that. <laughs> We've all done it from time to time. But sadly, listen to this. There are some people that do it all the time. And there's only one cure for that problem. And the cure is repentance. In other words, quit it. Amen? Isn't that what repentance is? Quit it. Stop doing it once you've been convicted. The help that you need to become that effective Christian, the help that you need to become a blessing to those around you is found in Christ. In other words, just be Jesus. Just be Jesus to them. Be Jesus to one another. Be Jesus to the stranger. Be Jesus to that obstinate, ornery family member. Amen? Just be Jesus. Now, friend, if you're looking for an opportunity to change your eternal destination from hell to heaven, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. Friend, if you are ready to make a change in your life here on earth, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. If you are reaching that point where you want to make a difference in the lives of other people, just come to Jesus. Because when you learn to be Jesus to people, you will make a difference. So whatever you need this morning, come to Jesus. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that because of your good grace and our faith in our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can be Jesus to others. Lord, help us avoid foolish judgment. Help us to aspire faithful judgment. And Lord, help us to anticipate future judgment because we will all stand before you one day. Lord, help it to be said when we arrive at your feet, you sure did a good job of being Jesus. Can you imagine a better compliment than that? Lord, we love you this morning. And I pray if there's one decision that needs to be made today, that they would be swift and bow their head before you and give their lives to the one that makes a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said. Amen.